0: to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Okay, are you ready? Are you really ready? All right, take your Bibles. Go to Mark chapter 16 tonight. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for opening the eyes of understanding. Thank you for revelation knowledge in our hearts tonight that we may see you more clearly, see us more clearly, see the kingdom more clearly, and do what you need us to get done. We thank you for your Holy Ghost tonight and give you praise for his teaching in Jesus' name. And everybody said, All right. Well, we're still doing healing, basically, and walking in divine health. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about healing others. In Mark chapter 16... Let's just start in verse, start in verse 15. It says, And Jesus said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe... In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. All right, this is Mark chapter 16. Most of us have heard this plenty of times. Here it tells you what a believer is called to do. A believer is called to preach, to teach, to heal, and to cast out devils. As a believer, you have a legal right, since you were born in the kingdom of God, to do these things. It's not something you really have to grow into. It is a privilege that was given to you. You have the ability to heal. You have the ability to cast out devils. Verse 18 says, they shall lay hands on the sick, and what will happen? they shall recover. How many of you are believers in here? So notice, everybody in here can lay hands on the sick, and what should happen? They shall recover. This is Jesus. He gave this commission to the believer. Any believer can lay hands on the sick, and the promise is they, the sick, shall recover. Now it talks about a believer. Say a believer. believer. So if believers do this, we really have to define what a believer is, according to the Bible. A believer does more than merely agree that the word is true. A believer is one who acts on the word of God. God will never tell us to do anything we cannot do. How many of you know if he told us we can heal the sick, then we can? If he told us we can cast out devils, then we can, because God doesn't tell you to do something that you cannot do. So a real believer not only believes the word, but he acts on the word. He obeys God's word, and he lives by faith. Faith basically is not just I believe, but I believe, and I believe enough to act on what I believe believe. I mean you you can believe this scripture now. I'm a believer. I believe I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Have you ever laid hands on the sick? No, but I believe that. I sure believe that's going to happen. You ever cast out a devil? I believe you can do it. It says right there in the Bible right there. Mark chapter 16. I got it in yellow and orange and everything. Right here it is. Have you ever tried to cast out a devil? No, I never really cast out a devil, but I believe it. So it's got action to it, doesn't it? It's not just believing something. It's basically doing what you believe. So a real believer acts on the word of God, obeys God's word, and lives by faith. Faith basically is simply doing what God tells you to do, then expecting God to do what he tells you he will do. i us say that again. Yeah. Faith is doing what God tells you to do, then expecting God to do what he tells you he will do. Now, what if I do that, and I don't believe that God's going to do what he said he was going to do, then I'm actually calling God a liar, ain't I? When you come right down to it. Some people say, well, I don't have enough faith to do that. Well, are you calling God a liar? It simplifies it right down. So faith basically does what God tells a person to do, and then we expect God to do the results that are already there. How many know that Noah built the ark, but God's the one who flooded the earth? Moses stretched the rod, but God parted the waters. Joshua marched around Jericho seven times, but guess who knocked down the walls? God knocked down the walls. Jesus said, is it a believer who may lay hands on the sick, and God will make them well? If we do what God tells us to do, then we expect God to do what he said he would do, that is simple faith. Now, you can say, well, uh, do I, how do I know if I believe that or not? How many times have you laid hands on the sick, and how many times have you rebuked a spirit of infirmity or devil off someone else? If you never do it, then you know about it, and maybe you didn't even know about it till tonight, but if you believe it, you will actually do it. Whatever it tells you to do. I mean, people could have said, You can be born again. All you gotta do is confess Jesus is your Lord because he paid for it. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. But if you don't do it, how many know you die and go to hell? See, so you've got to do what the word basically tells us to do. So basically when I read this, it, it was just a shame because I didn't have enough doubt and unbelief in me and I started doing it. So you sit around long enough, you get a lot of doubt and unbelief in you from everybody who's trying to tell you what to do. But it's pretty simple here. Jesus says, You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and that's pretty easy you shall cast out devils you shall speak with new tongues well i don't believe in those tongues well then you don't believe the lord you already said you will speak with other tongues so basically what we need to do is start acting on what we say we believe and it will start happening then in our life because god will always back it up for us so here he said, if we could heal the sick, we should expect to see the sick healed. If, if you cast out a devil, you would expect to see the spirit leave the person. Any believer can lay hands on the sick and expect the person to be healed. And another interesting note here, just to go into it, notice here he didn't even say pray for the sick. Oh, that just kills kills our religion, doesn't it? I had a 45-second prayer all lined up and memorized for the next time I lay hands on somebody. Now, here it says you simply lay hands on the sick. Now, is it wrong to pray when you do that? No, it's not wrong to pray, but it also says you can lay hands on the sick. So, basically, a lot of times for the believer, it's not the prayer that heals the person. It's the laying on of the hands, hands, which tells me that there must be something in my... In order for that to take place, which goes right back to someone living on the inside of... Come on now, you can just walk it back, can't you? Well, the Spirit of God's in me, Christ in me, he's the hope of glory, he lives on the inside of me. So as I act on the Word of God and the Spirit of God on the inside of me can flow through me into someone else. Now, what you've got to understand, this scripture does not say, lay hands on the sick and they shall feel better. Doesn't say that, does it? It says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall re cover so when your hands are laid on someone sometimes you may feel something when you lay hands on someone how many you ever laid hands on someone and felt something how many ever laid hands on something felt nothing I mean it didn't make any difference except here see up in our mind well they didn't shake they didn't get a goose bump nothing happened I mean nothing must have happened no no we're, we're not trying to minister feeling to people we're trying to minister healing to people So basically, a lot of times you may feel something. You lay hands on them. You may feel heat. You may feel something go out of you. You may feel all these things happen. And how many know that definitely helps you? Mm -hmm. And when you lay hands on somebody and nothing happens then, if you get used to that, then basically you just don't think that anything happened. How many know your faith involved is very important for you to do this? And even the other person, the other person you may lay hands on, they may just look at you like, or they may say, ooh, ooh, I feel the heat from that. Oh, I feel the heat. Or they may just go, ooh, like this. But it doesn't mean they didn't get healed. It simply means basically that we don't deal with feeling. We deal with healing. Faith has nothing to do with feeling feeling has nothing to do with faith. So basically sometimes you will feel something, sometimes you won't feel something, but that's not an indication whether it worketh or not. The Word of God is the indication whether it worketh or not, and that's what happens. People lay hands on people for a while, nothing happens, and nobody gets excited, and nobody, so they just say, well, I just can't do this. Yes, you can do it, but it's sort of like riding a bike. You sort of grow into it. It's almost like the first couple times you do it, it works every single time, and then after that, you, you, I don't know, your brain gets all fried into the, the way that you did it. You start uh, do it, trying to do it the exact same way you know it's like if you have an anointed service and you sang these three songs so the next week you want to sing these three songs because they worked last week and they're going to work this week and you sing them and they're just flat why because it's not that three song week praise God last week was so it's the same with the spirit of God he leads us and guides us on how to lay hands on the sick maybe he'll tell you to pray maybe he won't maybe he'll tell you to lay hands on the spot you know where the thing is that you're dealing with he will tell you that's why we need to be in tune with the spirit of God because how many know he knows a little bit more than we do yeah. When I first started laying hands on people, I feel, when I laid hands on them, I figured the power of God would go into them, they'd get touched, they'd fall down, and they'd come out of the power of God. And about everybody I laid hands on, guess what happened? They, no, they fell down. They got in the power of God, the anointing of God, and everything was all over them. And then I went to a couple services and found out there was the joy of the Lord. And when you lay hands on people, it, it stirs up what's on the inside of them, they get the joy of the Lord. So instead of just believing that they would fall down and get touched, I started believing they would fall down, get touched, and get the joy. See? you get from God what your faith expects. So I could be knocking people down my whole life, which is fine, you know, fill them up with the Holy Ghost, but then I thought, you know, the joy. If the joy is available, I want to be ministering the joy into people's life. And then I thought, well, if they're coming up, maybe they're sick. I want to be ministered healing in there. So I just started to believe on everything when I lay hands on them. I don't care if they fall down, get up, roll around, get healed, get whatever, but I'm expecting a result. Do you see what I mean? And what you expect makes a difference. The Bible says, have what your faith expects expects now I mean, know God's not sitting there saying well I'm just going to do let me see I'll pick out number three for this person and number four so our faith is involved So when I lay hands on people a lot of times maybe it's to stir people up so my faith is directed at stirring people up only and times when I just lay hands on them I'm, I'm believing for this morgue right? The smorgasbord, and somebody will get the joy, somebody will fall down, somebody will shake, somebody won't do anything, some will do, but I'm going to release my faith in that area. And of course, once again, a lot of times it depends on what their faith is expecting. You know, if you come up expecting healing, and you can about sure you're going to get it under the anointing of God, unless once again, you're expecting feeling with healing. Say, well, I didn't get didn't get healed. Why didn't you get healed? I didn't feel a thing. He laid hands on me. I didn't do nothing, and I just didn't feel. Well, notice the feelings are the feelings are a bad enemy in our lives. Let's face it. A lot of times we go by we feel. I feel God was there. I didn't feel God was there. I feel like God's with me. I don't feel like God's with me. Well, the Bible says God's with you. How often? 24 hours a day, whether you've got goosebump, one, two, elephant bump, whatever you got on the inside of you, God is with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the Spirit of God is on the inside of us all the time. So we want to break out of that feeling realm. Are feelings good, though? Yeah, sometimes when you feel the power of God and, and you can barely stand up, it feels good, praise God, no doubt about it. But it's not dependent on what we're getting or what we're receiving or we're ministering to each other. So it says you can lay hands on the sick, and what will happen? They will recover. So once again, faith has nothing to do basically with healing. There may be feelings there. There may not be feelings there. Your job is simply do one thing, lay your hands on the sick, and then the power of God makes them recover. See, that's pretty simple, isn't it? But we still have trouble doing it, don't we? And it doesn't say lay hands on everybody either. See, some people aren't ready to get their hands laid on some people aren't ready to get prayed for some people don't understand a lot of times i like to minister the word first and laying hands second because if i can prove to them that something's going to happen when i lay hands on them then they are able to receive it at that time but if they're just coming up for a treatment say a treatment and this is what 90 percent of the body does they don't they don't press into god they don't pray in the holy ghost they don't do everything and they don't once they need a miracle and they want a treatment from god well we don't want to walk in treatmentville we want to walk in holy ghostville because we're walking in the Holy Ghost then. We're, we're believing healing all the time, whether we feel good, whether we feel bad. We're believing that we lay hands on somebody, something's going to happen for sure. All right, look at verse 17. It says, And these signs shall follow them that do what? Believe. That believe. Say, I'm a believer. I Because believe. in my name they shall cast out who? Demons. <laughs> so they will cast out demons. So here's two things that we can do as believers. We can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, and we can also cast out demons. Demons like to express themselves in the earth realm and the only way they can do it is inside a human body. How can God express himself in the earth? The only way he can do it is in a human. So God is after you and devils and demons are after you. They're both. the only way they can manifest. They have no power outside of a human body because human beings are the one who have authority here on the earth. That's why God wants you full of the... That's why he wants you to lay your hands on... God can't lay his hand on them unless he does it through your hand. So that's why he tells us to do it. And how many know there's believers all over the world who've never did anything like this before because they simply don't believe it or have never been taught that? But we've been taught that so we can lay hands on the sick and we can expect them to cover. We can cast out devils and they will go. So spirits are looking to manifest. The only way they can manifest is to get inside a spiritual or inside a physical body in order to do it. Jesus called sickness, disease, demonic oppression. He said he had been about healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So everybody that he healed had oppressed of the devil. What's oppression? Under the control of. In other words, that person was under the control of the devil. Now, were they entirely under the control of the devil? No, just in that area the devil had taken control in, in their bodies or in their souls or something to get in there, and basically they needed free from that, and that's why we come along and we simply cast out devils. Now notice it doesn't say lay hands on them to cast out devils. It tells you to Cast out devils. Now, if I want to cast a devil out, how many know I have to say something? Yes. I just can't go. hmm, mm, yeah. mm, yeah. mm, mm. Because it's not going to do any good. So it shows two separate things: healing. I'm going to lay hands on. Cast out the devil. I'm going to have to say something. They need to do it. All right. Look at Matthew chapter eight. Matthew chapter 8. Let's just uh, to do. We can go here. Let's go to 14. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Now, what did Jesus do in this instance? He basically touched her hand, and when he did, guess what happened? The fever left her, praise God. Okay, verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with demons, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick. So here we can see Jesus. Jesus Christ is the one who lives on the inside of us. The way he operated is the way we are going to operate. He was not our example. He is the life on the inside of us who wants to minister the same way he did. When Christ was inside Jesus, Christ is now inside of? you. So here it shows you they brought many to him. Many, many, Most of these people were possessed, it says here, with demons. Only one class of people, according to this, was brought to him at this time, those who were possessed with devils. And what did he do? He cast out spirits. How did he do it? With his word. So he said something, didn't he? So the result is he healed all that were sick. So this implies that sickness here is caused by demons. So sickness and disease are caused by demons. Now, are most of these people, like we, we see somebody who's possessed, were they all fully possessed? No, I think they were more oppressed. So sickness and disease is demonic oppression. Can you be possessed? Yes, you can. But, the, but there's a difference between the two. So here it says he healed all that were sick. That implies that sickness was caused by the demons because everybody that came to him was oppressed by the devil. So he cast out devils and he healed all that were sick. He healed all that at this time were oppressed or possessed by the devil. I also believe that the devil can possess you physically and he can possess you soulishly. Two different things. He can just be in your physical body in sickness and disease. He got in there. And basically, but he can also get to a point where he's in your soul. We found out basically to walk in victory, we need to prosper and be in health even as our soul prosper so he's after the way we think he's after what we think about he tells every Christian they can't possibly lay hands on the sick they tell Christians that only the pastor can lay hands on the sick and cast out devils so you've got a congregation of 500 people with a pastor who's the only one doing it and the other 500 are watching him do it he never did that the same spirit of god on the inside of me it's the same spirit of god on the inside of you i don't get a bigger one just because i have a pastor in front of my name it's the same holy ghost it's just a different gifting that i have no greater nor less than your gifting so basically every single person who's been born again came into the kingdom of god has the ability to cast out spirits and has the ability to heal all those who are sick so what is sickness and disease well sickness and disease first of all usually comes from and almost always does something that we know a germ Ever heard of germs? That guy's got some germs. Stay over here. Stay away from him. Yeah. It starts out as a germ in your body. It gets into your body, and basically this disease or this germ wants to grow in your body. It's basically alive. Every disease has a life called a germ. It's an evil life. How many know germs don't come from God? He's not sneezing and apologizing in heaven. He never did that. He never had germ problems, basically, and part of the Bible calls it a spirit of infirmity. Say a spirit of infirmity. So this spirit of infirmity then tries to give life to the disease or the growth or the germ or you could even cause it a seed that gets on the inside of you just as your spirit gives life to your physical body. I mean, if, if you leave your physical body, your physical body basically falls down and it's just nothing there because it's a house that you live in. So this spirit or this germ gets on the inside of you and it tries to grow and progress on the inside of you. It is a spirit of infirmity firmity so basically what do we do in human sickness and disease it begins in this tiny germ it's an evil satanic thing is sent to live in and possess and destroy your physical body now why does the devil want to destroy your physical body because he hates you everybody says well the devil wants you to go to hell he doesn't care where you go he just wants you out of here he don't care if you're born again. He don't care if you're unborn again. He just wants to get you off the earth because as soon as you die and leave your physical body, you ain't no problem to him anymore. But as long as you're in your physical body and got authority, he got a problem with you, especially if you get some revelation on what's going on. So he just wants to kill. He just wants to kill, steal, and do what? So as long as this life on the inside of me is here, this germ came in. I've now got a spirit of infirmity trying to grow it on the inside, trying to grow into disease in my life. But as soon as that evil spirit or evil life can be kicked out of a person, how I many know that takes care of the disease? So a lot of people, you know, the the Osbournes are one of them who every time they prayed for somebody, they cast out the spirit of infirmity that was in their life, and they got a lot of progress with that. Because once they took authority, how many know you have authority? Once you take authority over that spirit of infirmity, and it leaves, once it leaves, then the sickness and disease, it dies. Remember when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he killed it at the root. If you walk by the next day, the leaves are probably nice and green, but down at the root, there wasn't much going on. So you wait two or three days, guess what? The whole thing's gone, but he killed it at the... So the spirit of infirmity is the root. The germ that came in is the root. And when we take authority over that thing, and we kill it, this is why sometimes when you get prayed for, you can't say you didn't get healed. you got to wait two or three days to see if the leaves burn up. Come on, you see, we don't think about this stuff. Well, I didn't get nothing. I still feel, well, just wait, praise God. It's killed at the roots. Let it come up and start dying everything off, and you're going to find out in three days that it was dead three days ago, for goodness sakes. We want everything now. We want everything, but sometimes it don't work that way. So here it says he'll do that. Now let's talk to doctors. What do doctors do? Doctors find somebody who has cancer. Cancer, in my opinion, is a spirit of infirmity. No question about it. It's a spirit of infirmity that came in there through the devil. It got on the inside of people. So what do they try to do? They try to kill it at the root. So they use chemotherapy, they use radiation. What are they trying to do? They're trying to kill that disease, not the spirit, because they don't know there's such a thing. They're trying to kill that disease at the root. And by killing that disease at the root, then they get rid of it. The only problem is, what they use to kill the disease at the root also kills you at the root. It's the best they got. So they just shoot it in you, and hopefully it kills that before it kills you. Sometimes it does, sometimes it don't, sometimes it kills one before the other. But that's all they can do because they don't understand it's not a physical thing. It is a spiritual thing on the inside of it and a spiritual infirmity that's on the inside of us. So what do we want to do? We want to hit the spirit of infirmity at the root. So now I'm praying for people. All right, well, let's let's say that basically someone comes to you and they got cancer. Well, I'm going to go after a spirit of infirmity. Somebody comes to me that fell down and broke their arm. I'm not going after a spirit of infirmity. You follow me. It's not the same thing. They're in spirit that God in their arm. They fell down and broke their arm. Right. They don't need cast out. They need healing. Right. So there's two different ways. And the Spirit of God will show you what each person needs and how to direct it. But you just can't. I cast that out and I cast that foot out and that arm out and that leg out and that hair out. And you can't. That's not what it's all about. It's about, you know, doctors prescribe Look at things and see what needs to be prescribed. And sometimes the Spirit of God is that doctor on the inside of you, and he shows you what needs to be prescribed for that person, what the problem is, what the background is. And that's sometimes he'll take you into their unforgiveness. He'll take you into their offense, try to get them out of that before. But other times you can pray it even when they got offense and the power of God's strong enough to set them free. And if they get set free, they love God so much, then they ask for forgiveness, do you see? When God does something really good for you, you just want to be good. You don't want to do nothing wrong anymore. You know what I mean? You, you want to make sure that you're not doing anything to offend him. So sometimes that comes afterwards. It doesn't have to come every time. Does it help? I believe it does, but it doesn't have to. How I many you know, Jesus never did a repentance line before he healed anybody. Right. And he healed a whole town. Right, yeah. So you're trying to tell me there wasn't anybody in that town with unforgiveness? My God, that was a great town. We should all move there before it was <laughs> over with. But you know, you know this guy hated his brother-in-law, and this guy hated his wife and everything else. But Jesus healed them all. So the power of God, I like to concentrate on the power of God, not our faults. Right. Uh-huh. The more I concentrate on our faults, the more you concentrate on your faults. And that's not good. I want to concentrate on the spirit of God who lives on the inside of me and the power of God that's already on the inside of me. If God says this person needs forgive, I'll go there. But I'm not going to go there if I don't or if I get a word. See, I'm just going to do what the Bible tells me to do. I'm going to lay hands or I'm going to cast the devil out and get him out of there, basically. So basically it shows two different ways to do that. So one, once this germ gets on the inside of you, it's like a war going on. There's a spirit of infirmity on the inside of you trying to kill you, but how many know God gave you natural, natural being of who you are that will fight against sickness and disease. So it's a fight between your two. Your body is built to drive that stuff out of there the best it can and heal you. You know that that's just the way God created it. It's wonderful that He does that. Everybody wants to take natural stuff and that's good, but your body is a natural stuff. It knows how to fight. You you cut your arm, I guarantee you, if you don't do anything to it, it'll heal. Uh, it's a miracle. You go back four days later and it's gone. Praise God. Yeah. Well, that's because our body's that way. So we've got this battle going on the inside. Now we want to add the anointing to it when we pray for somebody and make sure that the right side wins and gets rid of the other side, the demonic power that's there. So doctors are good. I mean, you know, some people who, who, who aren't in a position to believe for something when they get diagnosed with something, they go to the doctor and let the doctor drive it out of you. Let them do whatever they can do to get rid of them. Let them get them whatever medicine can do. It's better than trying to believe when you know you don't and dying. See? And always keep your faith in the Word of God, not in a man who teaches the Word of God. See? I had a pastor, I can't remember his name in this area a long time ago. I had a big church. Everybody loved him. He taught healing. Boy, he taught it right out. All at once he got sick one time and he didn't get healed, he died. And the whole church fell apart. Well, he's not your God. He's not your idol. I'm glad he taught what he taught because he did, but it doesn't mean, are you following me? I mean, it doesn't mean the word of God doesn't work and God's a liar simply because man of God, praise God. It don't matter if I drop dead right now, it wouldn't make any difference. Just believe the word of God, praise God. Scoop me off to the side. Somebody else take over the heat and just go on, see? Don't have your faith in a person, praise God. Have the faith in the words that come forth out of the inside of them that's lined up with the word of God. So sicknesses of the devil, we have power over the devil and sickness in the name of Jesus. We can rebuke evil spirits of infirmity. The disease will die and leave, and the sick shall do what? Recover. Recover. Okay, get to Luke chapter 13. All right, look, at chapter thirteen, look at verse ten. It says, And Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity for eighteen years, and she was bowed over or bent over, and could no wise straighten herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called to her to him and said unto her, Woman, you are loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, You're a hypocrite. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox and his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not, should not, this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. is a very revealing healing here, isn't it? It tells you what was wrong with her. What was wrong with her? She had a spirit of infirmity. Who bound her? Was God teaching her something through this? No, Satan had bound her. How did he bind her? With what? A spirit of infirmity. All right, now if she went down to the local doctor that day, the doctor would have probably said, well, you've got arthritis of the spine. He probably would have said, you've got a displaced vertebrae. He probably would have said, you have bowed over disease. But no doctor, no specialist would have said, "Uh, uh-huh, I, I did all the tests, you've got a spirit of infirmity. How <laughs> I many know the CAT scan wouldn't have showed that. Nothing else wouldn't have showed it. It was a spiritual thing. No doctor would have had that. So medically, doctors were correct. She did have a problem in that area, but the problem was a spiritual problem. So there was a life, a germ, a spirit behind her problem. It was a spirit of infirmity. Notice how long she had it. 18 years. That was the problem. How many know that's a long time? And on this scripture, notice what Jesus did. First of all, he said, daughter, thou art loosed. How many know he spoke to the thing? And then it says he put her his hand on. He gave her a double whammy, didn't he? He gave her the lay hands, and he also spoke the same thing, that thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And how did Satan bind her? He bought her with a spirit of infirmity. And right now, the problem is a lot of things we run into and we've got in this day and age. I don't, they had a lot of trouble in the old days, but how many know they didn't have porn on TV? They didn't have people cussing on TV because they didn't even have. TV, basically, you picked up your bad habits from one or two people. But in this day and age, Christians can pick up stuff from anywhere. You can turn on the first commercial and end up picking something up before it is. So we've got to be careful what we put in and what we agree with. If you listen to these commercials that are constantly telling you what you need to take, the new, new medicine out that's going to do this, where they say, and this will heal you, and it's side to fix our death. And <laughs> See, they never put that, they never say that out loud, you know. And take this, but it might kill you, but you'll feel better. Your headache will be gone for sure. Yeah, they don't do that, do they? No, they don't, because they're trying to sell something, basically, to help you. And then they're trying to diagnose you. Well, I did have a headache this morning. Maybe it is that disease that I can't pronounce that he just said I probably (laughs) got. You know, they're about this long. Don't even know what they are. What are they trying to do? They're trying to put that in there. Why? They're trying to sell something. So they're putting that stuff on there. So you just rebuke commercials half the time. You can spend the night doing that. So once again, it depends what happened. Now, what about if this lady would have been a car accident and her back would have been all crooked up, then you wouldn't be casting out the spirit of infirmity, would you? You'd be laying hands and trying to heal and yeah. healing her basically for the fact that that's what happened. It was not a, a demon problem. It was a physical problem that happened, and basically she couldn't do nothing about it at the time. And this is where, you know, th- we have one of the gifts we have is discerning of spirits. People say, well, it, do- it isn't always discerning good spirits from bad. Well, yeah, but sometimes it is. How come we got to throw something out? Well, it's not always that. It could just be discerning the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Yeah, it could be. It could be discerning the spirits, too. So you may walk up to somebody and God said, There's a devil in there, spirit of infirmity. And when the Spirit of the Holy Ghost says that, do you say, Come out, praise God. And don't be worried about saying, You spirit of infirmity, you come out, because that person ain't going to care what you say as long as they get healed. They're not going to say, Well, I'm healed, but I ain't taking that because you called it a spirit of infirmity. And I've never had a spirit of infirmity on me. No, they don't care as long as they get healed, praise God. Don't make any difference. Remember the blind guy that Jesus healed? Was he real? Wasn't he real? Did he do it right? Did he do it right? I don't care. He said, I'm know, i blind and now I can see. I don't care who he is. I don't care. He's the devil himself. I can see right now. So they're not going to care, basically. We'll just do what we do and really not going to offend anybody by doing that. So basically, sometimes the Spirit of God will tell you exactly what the issue is or what the problem is. And let me show you one more thing. This is is extra. Not going to charge you for this, but it's good. All right, look at verse 13. And he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God verse fourteen and the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because of Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people there are six days on which men ought to work and them therefore be healed and not on the Sabbath and the Lord answered him and said thou hypocrite does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose your ox and his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering ha <laughs> ha in this day and age the way things are progressing some people are going to care more for their animals. than they do for God. Can you see it? I mean, some, some, some dogs are in their, in their baskets, they're pushing them around, and they've got clothes for them everything else, and somebody else comes up who needs money and a human, get away from me. I'm busy taking care of my cat. See, he said, here's what you'll do. You'll take care of your own donkey if it falls in the hole, but you, you won't even heal somebody because it's the Sabbath day, and you don't want to get yourself in trouble. What were they doing? They were elevating an animal above a See, now, these are some things you read when I first got in the ministry and stuff, and I saw, and I said, well, that can't be right because that'll never happen. I know, what is it, in Psalms or, or Isaiah or something, it says well, a mother will never forget her baby. You read that scripture and say, that's stupid scripture. Of course they're not going to. And now abortion's running rampant. All e- it's amazing how these scriptures that you don't think, you think God's finally screwed up. <laughs> he finally made a mistake. But he didn't, praise God. He could see what was coming in the future. He could see that people don't even care about their babies anymore. Right. Hallelujah. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. Kingdom's really simple. Love God and love the people. Love God, love. What are you going to do today? I'm going to love God, love the people. What are you going to do tomorrow? Love God, love the people. All right, Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 31. And Jesus came down to Capernaum in a city of Galilee and taught them. Notice every time we read, he's teaching them. And he always did it on the Sabbath. I think he did this on purpose just to make people mad. (laughs) Verse 32, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace. Their actual translation is, Shut up and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him, and he hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits. And what do they do? They They come out. Now this was a church service. An ordinary Sunday morning church service. Somebody stood up in the back, started screaming and hollering and shouting, and Jesus basically said, shut up and get out of here, praise God. Now, I don't know what we do in this day and age. Come on, you're in a big church, and all once two people stand up and start yelling obscenities and doing this, I mean, throw them out, get the usher, do something, do this. We never understand that that it's motivated by a spirit. There's a spirit involved in that thing that needs to be dealt with, so we don't really want to throw them out because they're people, and we love God, and we love the people. So what are we going to deal with that situation? where well, you got to take them to a side room, whether you got to do something else, whether you've got to do this or that. But notice, this guy was in the church, and he had a demon. He was in the church and had a demon. Where was he? In the church. And had a demon. Yeah. We always think of everybody outside the church as demon problems. But there's people in the church. And how many know if, if they're in the church, it's a good place for them to be? You might as well be in the church because there's a... There's a good chance you're going to mess with the wrong person when you get in the church. So if you run into somebody outside the church and they want to go to church and they're demon-possessed, don't say, well, don't come to TCBC. <laughs> no, that's what we're here for. We're the body of Christ. This is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're going to do, praise God. We're lay hands on the sick, and we're going to cast the devil out. And notice, with authority, he simply commanded. What did he do? He cast him out, praise God, and told him to shut up first. Love that word, shut up. Come out. Shut up. So what did he do? He rebuked it, and how many know the Spirit left? Praise God. So once again, this could happen anywhere you're at, any place you're at. Now once again, you, you want to act in love, and you want to be gung-ho but not too gung-ho. I mean, don't go to Walmart tomorrow and start casting the devil out of everybody who's in there. <laughs> because they're probably going to take you away in a straitjacket someplace. No, we're led by the Spirit of God, aren't we? We're read to the right people. We can tell people. We've got discernment. We've got stuff. God loves the person even more than you do. So he's going to use you in that situation to do something with it. So basically here it says he cast them out. There are people there with sick diseases and everything else there. Look at verse 40, same chapter. Now when the sun was setting, all they that were sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the son of the living God and he rebuking them suffered them not to speak guess what he said shut up for they knew that he was the Christ so here he is again now here's a large place this is a place where a whole city comes in he starts laying hands on people some people he laid hands on too then the devil manifested so sometimes you're in a prayer line you're just praying for people and all at once this person you can tell when you laid hands on them that they got more than a the sore throat you know, they've got something spiritual there, basically, and they'll go down. Either I will go to that person and see what I can do, or I'll continue going and bring somebody out of the crowd at say, Marie, deal with that. And I'd keep going on and laying hands on everybody there. But once you recognize it, or once again, you can wait till after the service. You know, don't want to have to do it in the middle because the devil likes to make a commotion right. in any kind of service that he can do to take your mind off God and off that and everybody run out. I mean, there was one time in... There was one Kenneth Hagin was doing a service and basically the, somebody came up and started manifesting on the floor and the devil and the, the head pastor grabbed his one-year-old baby and ran out the door. And Kenneth Hagin said, do you think that door is going to keep this devil from jumping through there and getting on your baby for God's sakes? I mean, come on. But that's how some of us think, don't we? Oh, my God, there's demons in there. Let's run out of here. you got to understand you're born again and you have authority. You've been raised and seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. You're the one with authority, not the devil. No matter what Hollywood says, the devil's afraid of you. He's hoping you never figure it out, never lay hands, never cast anything out because you scare him every single day that you get up. Praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. So once again, he laid hands on everybody. And people think this is real fun, but I'll tell you what, at least at my age, say at my age. my age. Laying hands on so many people right now takes a lot of energy, life force out of the inside of you. I mean, he laid hands on a city. I think that I got probably to one fourth of the city and said, tag out sub." <laughs> Because life force is going out of the inside of you that's in there and it wears you down. But Jesus was so high, man, he could just do a whole city at the time and then run away from them when they try to kill him afterwards. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Matthew chapter 17. Don't let the devil get you to look at people, look at him and, and love the people. No matter how, how crazy people are in this day and age, you've still got to love them because Jesus still died for them. And we've got to keep that off. Sure, they're doing this. Sure, they're doing that. Sure, they'll be giving them names and everything like that. But that person definitely needs help. There's no question about it. Hallelujah. All right, Matthew chapter 17. Look at verse 14. And when they were come... To the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falls into the fire and oftentimes into the water. Now, how many know this was not a sickness and disease? This was a demon. It was a spirit that wanted to kill him, wanted to wipe him out, wanted to commit suicide. Verse 16, And I brought him unto your disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Good try, my disciples. I'm so proud of you for giving it a (laughs) shot. Thank you very much for all that you're doing and following. It's not what he said, did he? He said, you faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said to him, because of your unbelief. Hallelujah. So here we see the disciples were trying, weren't they? They were doing their best to cast him out. They were doing their best to do everything. But notice, Jesus did not say, don't do it because I'm Jesus and you're not Jesus. And basically, you're like Peter. You're like Job. And that's who you are. But I'm Jesus. Do you understand? You can't do this. No, he rebuked them for not doing. And now notice, they weren't born again at this time. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. They just had a, an anointing that came from Jesus on them. And if he rebuked them, how much more is there a rebuke for the body of Christ right now who's full of the Spirit of God and has the authority and has been seated and who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing simply because we don't know we're supposed to be doing that. Right. So he rebuked them. So praise God. If he rebuked them, I'm thinking, I better do this stuff every now and then, you know, worketh or not. And then some people, you know, lay hands on somebody. Well, I came to your church. You told me to lay hands on somebody. And I laid hands on somebody and they died. Well, you didn't kill him. Get over it. Praise God. It's not They didn't die because you laid hands on them. You were doing what God told you to do to the best of your ability with the Spirit of God, so you were obedient. I mean, obedience is important. Hallelujah. So we're just going to obey, aren't we? We're going to do what we're called to do. We're going to do it, and praise God, results will come. It will happen. And sometimes it will come in ways that you never thought it would come. I remember going to the hospital one time. One of my good friends had somebody in there who was sick. And, I, of course, back then I was young. So, boy, you know, I was going there all the way there. I'm a, I was getting ready to go. And I walked into the person. They were there, and they had that look on their face, you know. And I prayed for them and laid hands on them, and they just lay there like this. And can I pray for you? Well, go ahead if you want to. You know, one of those type of things. You're thinking, what am I doing here? I just wasted 45 minutes to get here or whatever. So I walked out of there, and I ran into somebody from the post office. And the guy said, yeah, my dad's dead yell, he's in the next room over here. They don't expect him to make it two days. Without thinking, say without thinking. without thinking. I walked in the room. I said, hey, are you dying? He said, yeah. I said, do you want to die? He said, what? I said, do you want to die? He said, no. I said, then get up and get out of here. What are you doing? And I walked out. That's all. I didn't lay hands. I didn't do nothing. Got out there and thought, what the heck am I doing here? I hope that wasn't recorded. <laughs> and guess what happened? The next day, he signed himself out, and he lived years after that. Praise God. Now, how many know that didn't take a whole lot of prayer and thought? I didn't even go there for him, see? So since it didn't work with it one, I thought I'd give it a shot on the second one, praise God. Maybe the third one, maybe the fourth one. Just get something to work for me, praise God, so that it works. So notice, praise God, here it is. It tells you right here that these are the things that we're we're supposed to do. These are things that belong to us. These are things that you have. These are your divine rights. Like he told the woman who was bowed over, she is a daughter of Abraham. She has a divine right to be healed right now, but for 18 years she was in bondage because she did not know that she was a member of the covenant. So he said she's got a right to be healed. And whenever you run into another person who's got a right, it's easier knowing that they have a right. But you've got to explain to them that they do have a right in those situations no circumstances so they're ready to see receive basically what you have and notice another side note all these demons who see jesus and jesus cast them out said the same thing you're christ the son of the living god don't know what did demons start preaching the gospel praise god we've got the disciples of the demonship over here who's going around no they didn't understand that he was god and man they just thought he was God, and God has no right to cast them out. But he did because he was on the inside of Jesus, who had a physical body, who could cast them out, and they didn't know it. So they're saying, "Don't do that. You're a son of the living God. You can't do this." Jesus said, "Oh yes, I can because I came in the flesh. Get out," and they had to go. Ain't that neat? My God! And guess who else is in the flesh? Yeah. Praise God! <laughs> yeah, it's me. Glory to God! He's going cast you. Of course, they already know that we're not that way, so it don't make a difference. All right, go to Matthew chapter 12. All right, Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 22. Then was brought unto Jesus one possessed with a demon, with a devil blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. Now, what was this guy's problem? He had a demon, didn't he? But notice what kind of demon was it? It was a demon of blindness and a demon of deafness. See, there's all different kinds of demons who try to specialize in their own specialties, basically. You hear about demons, basically, you know, of low self-esteem. There is one. Bitterness, there is one. Pity party is the worst one. My God, you can't minister to anybody when they're in a pity party. You might as well just either get that spirit off of them or wait till they come out of it themselves. Woe is me, woe is me, oh me, oh me, oh me. Whenever they get down in there, that's a spirit that it's really tough to get rid of if people want to do it. And I'll tell you why they like it, because it basically feels good. Fear is another one. Sexual sins. There's all kind of demons out there who specialize in the thing. But once again, they, do, they don't bother you if you don't open the door. So you've got to open the door. They've got to know authority over you in an area of your life unless that door is open. I mean, a, a spirit of pornography is not going to jump on you. No, you got to look at pornography first and allow the thing to come in before that happens. They just can't jump on you. And they don't jump from one person to another. Praise God. So don't worry about that. You have power. You have authority over all these things. So here is a blind spirit, and basically he took care of the blind spirit. Go to Matthew chapter 9. So you go through and you just read about the healings and the deliverances, and all that. You really pick up a lot on how Jesus did it, what he did, how he did it, why he did it, why he did different things, and you meditate on them. Put yourself in them. You know, I was always always, always put myself in the one where he rebuked me, because when you see Jesus rebuking, it really changes the way that you do things sometimes. All right, look at verse chapter nine, verse uh, thirty-two. And as they went out, behold, there brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake and the multitudes marvelled, saying it was never seen in Israel. Now why would they say that it was never seen in Israel? Because it was never seen. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'll get that. What is <laughs> I'll figure out what it is. No, because it's never seen. Because there was never a man who came again who was filled with the Holy Spirit but Jesus himself until he died and went, raised from the dead. Then he released his spirit on us, and then we had the spirit. So nobody was doing that back then. He was doing that. So all this stuff, you got to look at it from their point of view anyway. They didn't know about this stuff. They just saw him casting out demons, and half of them didn't know what a demon was or cast out or anything else. They were just shocked when all this stuff happened, basically, because they didn't know anything about it. Most of the church is shocked when they see it happen, and it's already in the Bible where we can read it. It's already on the inside there. It tells you what's going on and what's happening. So notice, every time you see a demon come out, things get better. Do you ever notice that? Nobody nobody gets delivered of a demon and say, oh, I'm worse than I was to begin with. No, it always gets better. Everybody gets better when that happens, praise God. All right, go to Acts chapter 3. I remember when I got born again and, and, you know, started the church here, and John and Lisa Bordemus were our music people, and we went to, uh, I think it was one of those where they have the, the uh, Halloween in their gym, and they got little games and stuff for the kids to play, and they pass all this stuff out, and we were there, and basically Lisa came over to me, and she said, oh, I just got to go home. I got this darn headache. I get these headaches all the time. And, I mean, everybody's everywhere, and, I mean, I just didn't think, you know. All I knew was lay hands on the sick, and they recover. That's all I was thinking about. So I just, in the middle of the gym, just put both hands on her and said, get off of her in the name of Jesus and let her alone. And I said that, and she went, wow, it's gone, it's gone. Everybody, I thought, on Halloween, this is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, if you, if you want to cast the devil on somebody in a gym, you want to do it on Halloween if you want to do it, praise God. But it works. And once it works for you a couple times, you never think of it not working. Do you know what I mean it's like riding a bike you fall down you fall down then once you start riding a bike and two years later you fall down and say what was I doing there you don't say oh I'm still falling down no you get used to it you expect it to happen you expect it to take place and if it doesn't happen you want to know why it doesn't happen not just well God heals some and he doesn't heal others maybe he wants to do it maybe he don't no and God wants every single person healed every person saved every person delivered that's who God is and that's what he does and we've got to get that same mentality to figure out why it doesn't work when sickness is a jumps on me and basically I don't get off as quick as I like which is about three minutes come on am I telling the truth and it's not there I'm not going to say God what are you doing I'm going to find out where I missed it or if I missed it or what's going on or what I'm going to continue because I really believe that God wants me healed. I mean, it's hard to preach when I'm not healed and I'm in bed and I'm, because that's what I'm called to do, basically. So I always go to try to find out if I lay hands on somebody and they don't get healed, I'll pray. Sometimes God will tell me why they didn't. Sometimes he doesn't. I mean, know, it's up to him. He can tell you. Maybe he wants to tell them And they need to make the adjustment. So we just let God be God. But don't get the idea where I prayed for two people and it didn't work and I'm a failure and all that stuff. Because the devil, I'll tell you what, he is standing right there, boy. As you're laying hands on people, he's right here, right here on your shoulder, just waiting to tell you, you can't do it. You're not anointed. It'll never work for you. This doesn't work for anybody. This just works for people who have been in the church 25 years. It's never going to work for you. You've killed the last three people. You're you're the best guy I've got right now. (laughs) You're in our army and you're doing a good job. And all this stuff starts coming. You just got to get rid of that stuff and know what the word of God has told you and what it does. All right, let's go to the disciples, Act chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple of the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb, how I many know that's a long time, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking, and leaping, and praising God, and they came up with a song, and he went walking, and leaping, and pray. I don't think they sang it there, I just think that's what they did, <laughs> praise God, so here's the disciples, they know about Jesus, they know power in the name of Jesus, while they were going to prayer, say going to prayer, now to me this would have made more sense if they were coming out of, because they were all prayed up then, then it should worketh, but they were going into So that means they weren't prayed up yet. They were on their way to be prayed up yet. But he basically didn't know what they did. They didn't talk to the demon. They didn't talk to anything. They talked to the person. But notice, they discerned what the guy's problem was more than the guy knew what his problem was. He thought his problem was lack of money. They knew that his problem was lack of being able to work to make the so they didn't stop and say, okay, how many times do we go, here's 50 bucks, here's $10, here, that's going to, no, he's just going to stand there the next time you come by and he's going to be there again. That's not the problem. The problem is they can't, he couldn't work. So if I take care of his legs instead of his arms, right. <laughs> thank you, Mary, if I take care of his legs instead of his arms, <laughs> then be." So it just went right over everybody. I saw it go back there in the corner. <laughs> yeah, basically they dealt with it, didn't they? They dealt with his problem, giving him money when, did, when did it took care of the problem. And notice they gave him a command of what to do. Jesus did this a lot. Pick up your bed and see, come on up and rise up. Now, when you're doing that, you, you are walking either in a strong faith of your own or you're walking in something called the gift of faith. In other words, when the gift of faith rises up on the inside of you, you know that 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 you know. know. It was like when I walked into that guy who was dying. I knew if I told him to get up and he got up, I knew he was going to get up. Why did I know? I don't know. It was a gift of God. Do you see? It was something that I just knew. Did I pray about it meditate on it? No. The gift of God just rose up on the inside of me, and there it was. I knew it was going to work. It's sort of like probably like Marie when she was in the hospital. A doctor would come in and say, hey, you're, you're, your levels are at 3, and you're about dead, and you're probably never going to get to 7. She said, I'm going to live and not die, praise God. Jesus already healed me 2,000 years ago. She knew it, and, of course, her, her relation was in there. I mean, oh, no, they didn't like that. Friends were in there. They didn't like that. Did you hear what the doctor said? I don't care what the doctor said. I know what the word says, praise God. The word of God says, dee, 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 dee. Why is that? Because she'd been listening to the word of God. She wasn't even coming to church here. She was listening to the word from the church here. More than once. <laughs> See, everybody thinks they got it. I heard that, I heard that, yeah, 25 years ago I heard that sermon and I got it right now. You can't even remember what that was said. That And I'll, I'll listen to the same set of tapes 10 times before I go into something else. Why? Because I want to get it. I want it to come up in me when I need it. I want it to come up in me for God's sakes. So I listen to those things over and over. I'm listening to tapes that I did when I went to school for my associate's degree 15, 20 years ago. I'm listening to them same tapes. Cassettes, yes. That's right, cassettes, you know, they still put them in there, push the little play, it goes around, everything works out good. Yeah, they still play, they're still good. But all this stuff is stuff that you grow in, and all this stuff that you put on the inside of you, when God wants to use you in a situation, he br- the Spirit of God brings it up. The Bible says the Spirit of God shows you things to come. He reminds you of things, and that's what he does. He shows you. Sometimes he'll show you somebody that's going to come to you in the morning when you're praying before they even get to you that day and what their problem is going to be. Sometimes he'll give me a scripture that I'll be meditating on that day for the first time in a long time, and somebody will come up and ask me a question, and the answer to their question was the scripture that he gave me that morning. And I always say, give me something. Give it to me for somebody else. Give it to me, praise God. Come on. What are you doing here? Who cares about that guy? I could use the scripture today. And I'll tell you, God's got a sense of humor. I'll tell you that right now. So you can talk to him any way you want to if you're friends with him. And it doesn't, I mean, he doesn't get upset and strike you with lightning or anything like that. I mean, he's a good father. How I many you know? Amen. Praise God. So notice here, that's the way the disciples did it. Paul says, My speech and my preaching without not enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power, that your faith might not be in men, but in the power of, in the power of God. So as we do this more and more and people see it done and around you, they're going to start doing it too and it's going to be like a, not really a revival, but a extension of the kingdom of God into each and everybody's lives who can do this stuff. And I tell you, the people we need to get to are the ones that you get born again right away. Now you can tell them now you're full of the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues, they'll start praying in tongues right away before somebody talks them out of it. And you tell them to lay hands on the sick and now they'll recover and they'll go around laying hands on everything that moves, praise God, at the beginning. And they'll put you to shame. Because you haven't prayed for somebody in 30 days and 30 nights, praise God. But you're always ready. No, now's our time. Now's our time to demonstrate and make it work. And there's something better when somebody else gets touched more than you. I don't know what it is. You get somebody born again, you can't give me any amount of money. God heals somebody, you can't give me any amount of money. You know, I help a marriage, I help this, I help do that. That's more important to me than how big my house is, how much money I got, whatever. Because how many know when we die, we're not taking anything with us? No heavenly U-Hauls, can't take nothing along, praise God, it's gone. Somebody else is going to be in your house, they're going to have your car, they're going to have your clothes if they want them. (laughs) They're going to have what you want, so the important things are the spiritual things, and that's what God wants us to be on and think about, praise God. All right, let's pray, hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your words tonight, I thank you for revelation in our hearts and in our minds. Father, we want to do what? you've called us to do. So tonight we know what to do. Praise God, Hallelujah. We're going to lay hands on the sick. We're going to cast out devils when we run into one. We're going to pray with new tongue. And if we eat any deadly thing, we don't have to worry about it because we're going to live through it anyway. Father, I thank you that this revelation tonight and the words that have been spoken would get in the hearts of everybody here as a seed. It would continue to grow and prosper and grow and prosper and grow and prosper and grow and prosper. I pray for every single person of Treasure Coast Victory Center and I command healing into their bodies, whether they're here or not. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, you rise up on the inside. You quicken their mortal bodies right now. I declare a church that is sickness-free in the name of Jesus for every single person who comes here. And we thank you for it and give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. amen, 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 amen. And YouTube. So remember to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you.